0: I don't think anybody's ever going to ask me to lead the choir again, especially when I let them know on the moment uh, that we're going to sing. But uh, one of them leaned over and said, We sure do love you, Pastor. <laughs> as if they didn't, there's no way they would have got up there and done that. But I want to tell you, Merry Christmas. And you're probably thinking, Hey, wait a second. This, this pastor's a little screwy. Uh, he doesn't recognize what holiday it is. But I think as we get into today's passage, it'll make a little bit more sense uh, why we have a Christmas tree, why you're bulletins have Mary and Joseph and the baby on the front uh, and why we're singing Silent Night. Uh, but I want to begin uh, this sermon time as we go to the book of Revelation. We're going to go to chapter 12 today. Uh, but as we go there, I just want to tell you a joke. I know I don't always start with a joke because I'm not the best joke teller. I have a hard time remembering jokes. But for some reason, this joke has been with me ever since I was in elementary school and I read a book and I saw it and I, I laughed out loud is what the kids say, lol I laughed out loud, and I've never forgotten this joke, and I think it applies to Mother's Day, but the, the joke is this. Why is the Statue of Liberty hollow? Why is the Statue of Liberty hollow? Because if you gave birth to a nation, you'd be hollow too. All right. that, I just thought that was so funny, and I thought that applied, but uh, the fact is that uh, being a mom is hard, right? Being a mom is hard from the get-go, from, from uh, the morning sickness to... Uh, just all the what's going to happen when this baby comes to, ouch, the baby has come. okay. And then raising this child that in many ways wants to rebel, but is so sweet and so dear. And, and uh, being a mom's tough. okay. And we're going to go into today's passage and talk a little bit of Mother's Day, a little bit of Christmas. And uh, hopefully by the end, it'll all make sense. And if not, we'll just pray that the Lord somehow fixes it all and sends us out in his name. okay. So let's pray, and then we'll hit Revelation chapter 12. Father, we thank you so much for just continuing to help us. Uh, Lord, we know that in many ways we could get confused. We could become consumed, whether with holidays or, uh, Lord, just the ways of life and just never consider. The reality of what it is that you have saved us and that you're coming back for us and the whole big picture as you portrayed it throughout your word. And so, Lord, today we need you to give us the mind of Christ. There is no way we can understand any of this unless your Holy Spirit guides us into your understanding. And so we pray, Lord, that you'd help us to understand not just the book of Revelation, but the entire scripture as it reveals how you have so planned and accomplished this salvation for us. And so we give you praise. I pray you would guide my mind and my heart and my lips, Lord, to serve you in this moment and to preach your gospel. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. We are in Revelation chapter 12. If you have missed any of the sermons before this, you're able to get them from the back window. They'll burn them for you, or you can find them on our website. They're being podcast. You can get them on your uh, phones, computers, just automatically downloaded to your devices if you like. But we are in Revelation chapter 12, and if you've missed the first 11 chapters, here's what it's all about. The book of Revelation starts by saying, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's lots of prophecy, there's lots of symbolism, there's lots of talking about the future, there's lots of talks about dragons, and we'll talk about that today. But when it all gets down to it, if you can't remember anything else about the book of Revelation, remember this, it is about Jesus Christ. And if you just look at that name, Jesus means the eternal one who saves, and Christ means the anointed one, the king. And so even in his name, it kind of gives us the heads up that, The eternal one had to come to save us and now he is our king and it's all about him, the savior and the king. So in the book of Revelation, that's what we've been studying, the revelation of the savior and the king. We come to chapter 12. And it again gives us some prophetic words and we're going to kind of piece these things together so we can understand with a greater understanding what Jesus means to convey to us. But John is writing down all that he sees in this vision and he begins to write in uh, verse one of chapter 12. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and on her head, a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. Uh, Just to kind of get to the point, this is a picture of Mary. You see, God had created the world. He created Adam and Eve. She was the first mom. Before she became a mother, she and Adam had sinned. They took a bite of that fruit and they said, we don't want to listen to God. We want to go in our own way. And that's the sin of us all. All of us say we want to go our own way. We don't want what God wants. And that is sin. Well, God had told them, when you sin, you will die. And so ever since Adam and Eve, every human being that has ever been born has not only been in sin, but as a result of that sin, they are also going to die. That's a problem for you and me. Okay, There is no way for us to help ourselves. There is no one else who will rescue us. Only God can save us from sin, death, and he, 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 uh, being destroyed. Okay, And so from that moment, God struck out on a plan. Now he did tell the woman and the man, he gave them curses. Adam was going to struggle in his work. He was going to sweat hard. It was going to be a real pain to get those crops to come out of the ground. And to Eve... He said this, it is going to hurt when you have kids, okay? You are going to have children. But in the midst of that joy of having life come from your body, it is going to hurt. Now, if you're a mother and you have had a child, right now is about the time you say amen, okay? It hurts. It hurts. Now, I haven't experienced that, but I've watched it. I watched a, a graceful, beautiful woman in agony bringing three children into this world. Okay? So that was the curse, part of the curse that came upon Eve of sin. Not only was she going to die, but when she gave birth, it was going to hurt. And so forever, every, every mother, and even as we witness what mothers go through, we're watching what God said, let this be a reminder of sin. Let it then also be a reminder that you need my help. You need my help to raise this child. You need my help in your life. You need my help to save you from your sin. So even while it's a curse, it's also a help. And here we see that all through that plan that God began to call out a people for himself. He started with Abraham and then from Abraham went to his son Isaac and then his son Jacob, and then his 12 sons. Those 12 sons, as you go down the line, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Jacob's 12 sons become the people of Israel. They become the 12 tribes. Well, through the Old Testament, God is growing this nation, not so that they can just be a nation, be saved just because they are Jews or just because they've been circumcised or just because they have the law, but through that nation of Israel would come a king. Through them would come the anointed one, the Christ. And he was the one, the scripture says, who would save his people from their sins. And so in a little town of Bethlehem, on what we refer to as a silent night, was this woman who became the focal point of the 12 tribes. She was going to become the mother of the anointed King. And there that night, she gave birth to a son. She was a virgin. And yet, miraculously, because the Holy Spirit had put that baby in her womb, she gave birth in that stable to the king. God became flesh. Jesus came and translated himself into flesh and blood like you and I have. And so, there, the representative of Israel, this tool that God was using, from the 12 tribes, was this woman. And so, come back to that passage. That's what you're seeing there. Again, it says in verse one, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet. So it's talking about how she's God ordained. God is being a help to her. But then it says with a crown of 12 stars, that's symbolizing the 12 tribes of Judah. She is representing all that God was doing through the tool of Israel. And now she's giving birth in it, just like Eve had. So she had when she gave birth, she was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains in the agony of giving birth. Okay, so Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, God Almighty, was a baby in Mary's womb. And when she gave birth, it wasn't the most miraculous birth ever because his mom did not feel pain. And it was not some extraordinary birth where it was done in a, in a palace with all kinds of midwives and help and doctors around. They were all, utterly alone they were poor in fact when they came to joseph's hometown it's not just that there was no room in the inn. joseph had family there and they all said we don't want you because she is having a baby beside without you even being married to her so get out of here they were all alone and here she gives birth, like every other mom who ever has, and it was painful and it was full of agony, and that was Mary. So Revelation twelve is talking about Mary; and she's given birth, and we have this solidified even more as we go on. But it says before we get to there in verse three, there's another sign that says in verse three, another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads seven diadems now these signs that are here it talks about the heads and the horns and the diadems the numbers that are there later on that is clearly identified as the devil as satan and in fact next week when we go later on in the chapter verse nine it specifically calls him out it says the ancient serpent who's called the devil and satan so it identifies this dragon with satan so john sees the sign of mary giving birth and then he sees the sign of this dragon satan Who's right there. And it goes on and says this. Verse 4. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. Just to give you a glimpse, a preview of next week. That is when a bunch of angels, heavenly hosts, decided to defy God as well. And they left with Satan. Satan, we are told from Scripture, was a cherub. He was not an angel. He was a cherub. He was even closer to the throne than an angel. The cherubs were the ones right around the throne. And Satan defied God, said, I want his place. And God threw him out. And with him went a third of God's heavenly hosts. Those angels, those heavenly hosts become what we commonly refer to as demons. Okay. God didn't say, I create demons. He created angels and heavenly hosts that defied him and became demons. Just like he created Adam and perfect and they defied him and became sinners. Okay. So here the dragon sweeps out with his tail. A third of the heavenly hosts that now have become his army waging war against God and against the lamb. Since they're at war, it says this in the middle of verse four. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. Well, that's a good present when you're given birth. Yeah. How many of you mothers, when you were given birth, whether you gave it at home or gave it in a hospital, there you pushed and you were in agony. And then suddenly that baby came out. And right as that baby was born, next to you was a dragon. A vicious beast ready to devour that baby. How many of you had that? Now, I'm not talking about your husband who was there. I'm talking about the dragon. This is Satan who recognizes that even though nobody else wanted to be present At that birthing. There was a battle going on. And it was Jesus versus Satan. Now Jesus had created Satan. And yet Satan saw this as his opportunity to thwart the plan of God. And as Mary delivers that baby boy. It says that even though in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. We don't have it represented. God knew spiritually what's happening behind the curtain. And Satan was right there ready to devour the child. We see that actually happening in the Christmas story. We know that as Jesus was born, that King Herod finds out about that, and he tries to kill Jesus as quick as he can. Okay? So Satan is already using his evil purposes to rein in wicked kings to kill Jesus. Okay? So that was happening. That's happening behind the scenes at the Christmas story that he might devour the child. Verse 5, it says this. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nation's with an iron rod that's a clear description of jesus later uh, elsewhere he's described as ruling the nations with an iron rod but her child was caught up to god and to his throne and so jesus he is born okay it's a it's a male child he rules with an iron rod over the nations that is a clear description of jesus christ and then fast forward button You go all the way through Jesus' death, resurrection, and it talks about right there. It just quickly says he was caught up to God and up to his throne. Okay, so prophetically it just went boom. It just missed all the other parts of the gospel and just went straight to the ascension. Okay, we're told clearly in Scripture, throughout the Scripture, that Jesus, after his death and resurrection, he ascended on the cloud, and he sits at the right hand of the Father until the day appointed by the Father in which he will come back and return to bring wrath upon his enemies and rescue his people. To rescue his people. But to finally end our passage here, it says in verse 6, And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, in which she is to be nourished for 1260 days. 1260 days, as we've already talked about, three and a half years. At times, it's described in other ways, like 42 months, or it also say throughout the scriptures, both Old Testament, New Testament, time, times, and half a time, which equals three and a half. And so, we know from scripture that that term of three and a half is often used for a period of time that's meant for a tribulation. Okay, I don't actually think that that uh, 1260 days is a literal. 1,260 days. I think it's talking about an expanded time of tribulation. And after Mary gives birth, she not only gives birth to Jesus, but after Jesus has died and resurrected, we clearly see that she becomes a believer in Jesus. She called upon his name. She prayed to her son. She said, please come and save me. I don't want to end up like Eve. I don't want to end up like all the other human beings who have not called upon you and been damned. I have given birth to you now, Jesus Christ You please give birth to me. And so Mary became a believer. And as she was the focal point of Israel coming into that birth, going out from it, she becomes a focal point as a representative for the church in this passage. Because it says that now she has gone out into the wilderness. She is there during the midst of this tribulation, wherein she will be nourished by God for this time period. We'll talk a little bit more about it next week, what that means. But here's the gist of it. Ever since the day that Jesus Christ was taken up into the clouds, he had promised to his people, people are going to hate you. If you love me, the world will hate you. The reason is this, because there was a dragon. Because there is sin. Because there is a whole rebellion that is against Jesus. And so the moment that you leave that rebellion and you trade sides because Jesus has saved you, you are now put into the army and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. You are now under the representation of Mary, the disciples. You are now in Christ's body. Okay. And from that time, let me tell you what. You have a strong enemy against you. Okay, now many of you thought I was talking about the devil. Now that's true. You've got a vicious, beastly enemy that is against you. But more than that, your worst enemy is yourself. Okay, Don't go blaming some political figure on how your life is so hard. Don't go blaming Satan and all those demons. Don't go blaming anybody else, but go look yourself in the mirror and say, that is my problem. I'm my worst enemy because even if you have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you've you've pled forgiveness for your sins, your body, your flesh, still wants its own way. Okay. Mothers, you know this. Fathers, you do too. Because part of being a parent is watching young ones in rebellion. Okay? They're in rebellion against you. They can be sweet, they can be darling. But they're rebels. You were too. It's the exact same thing you did before God. Oh, you're cute. You're sweet. It's not why God wants to save you. He wants to save you because you're wretched. He wants to save you because no one else can. He wants to save you because he loves you so much. He doesn't like to see you go away and to act like the dragon or to act like the world. He wants you to look like Jesus Christ. He wants you to be pure and holy so you can live with him forever. And so, Merry Christmas. God's plan was that Jesus would be born and therein would be the climax of the battle that's been going on between Jesus and Satan and his system. And Jesus came to deliver the death blow against sin and Satan and death. And he did that not by being born. He did that by dying on the cross. So that if you and I receive him the scripture says in john chapter one to those who receive him to those who call on his name he gives the right to become children of god you will be born of god you will be made new you will be a new creature you won't look like a demon you won't look like the world to god you will look pure and holy and that's the only way you can live with him forever okay so merry christmas God's gift was that he would suffer and die for you. He would go to battle against the dragon for you. Now, in this passage, it talks about moms. Okay, we we talked about how it it, it talked about Eve. How she sinned. And how she took on the curse and pain. She ended up having kids. Her first two kids, Cain and Abel. Abel. He followed the Lord. Cain did not, even to the point of killing his brother. Bam, killed him. Going on from there, all of us have sinned, but Eve was a mother. Mary, she's a mother. She's a mother. Now, the question is, what kind of mom are you going to be? Now, dads, don't think you're getting off the hook here. Just kind of take everything and translate it over to being a dad. But moms... Be the mom that you were created to be. Be the mom that you were created to be. When God said, "I want you to be a mom," He wasn't just saying, "I want you to somehow miraculously bear this child for my nine months and then work your hardest to push it out and defy all that pain and boom, there, there, possible." That's that wasn't just it, and it wasn't just you packing lunches for school until they're out of the house and it wasn't just you setting up a life insurance policy it's not just you caring for their physical well-being but you be the mom jesus created you to be by in everything that you do whether it's those lunches life insurance or whatever it is you do driving them to school everything that you do as a mom is sending them towards jesus it is all about sending them towards jesus you are a steward of your kids for those 17, 18, 30 years that they're living with you. You're a steward of a child that God has put in this world. And your job is to consistently say, look at him. Look at him. Look at him. Now, Some of you might say, well, I'm not a mom. So I guess it doesn't apply. I'm too young. I'm too old. I just, I just haven't had kids. Well, you're not off the hook either. There's some of you, we have no blood relation. And yet some of you women are instrumental, instrumental in almost a mother or grandmother form to my kids. And I'm asking, I'm pleading with you to be that adopted grandma to my kids. That auntie to my kids. Not to just help them when they scrape their knee on the playground. Not just to make sure that they're behaving during church. But direct them towards Jesus. That's your job. Fathers, translated to being the dead. Okay? Send them towards Jesus. Now, my mom, I thank God for her. You know, God can rescue anybody. You don't have to have Christian parents to become a believer. He's going to get you if he's going to get you. But I thank God that I had a Christian mom who showed me what being a mom is supposed to be like. I'm grateful that I have a wife who represents those same things. And I pray that my daughter... Takes that, and that's the kind of mom she is. But I, I remember my mom. I would I would listen to her pray with me at night. Every night before bed, we would pray together. And you know, the one thing I remember from all these prayers is this: my mom would pray, "Lord, please grow Jason up to be a man of God." I don't remember her praying that I have food. I don't remember her praying that I'd have clothes. I don't remember her praying that, um, you know, for uh, you know, I wouldn't wreck the car. You know, I'm sure she hoped for those things. I remember her praying that I'd become a man of God. And by God's grace, I think that's been happening. And that I continue to grow into that man of God. I remember I'd come out in the morning. It'd be early. The sun not even up. There's things to be done. It's time to get ready. And there'd be my mom at the kitchen table reading her Bible, praying, no doubt for me. Growing as a woman of God and and even just watching and when she wasn't talking to me, I was watching her. And that was instrumental in me knowing how to follow Jesus. I remember the morning my mom worked nights as a nurse. And so she'd come home and she would have to nap during the day, but she was taking care of me. I hadn't gone to school yet. So she's she's trying to juggle, you know, and there was this day where she somehow convinced me to take a nap. And so we were. We were napping, and I remember she got a phone call from somebody at church who said, turn on the TV. We went and looked at the TV, and Ronald Reagan had been shot. I remember that. And I remember my mom, she said, we need to pause this TV for a moment. We need to shut it off, and we are going to pray. See, all these things that my mother was doing, they were good, and they were helpful. But behind the scenes of those things, spiritually, she was taking a young man and pointing him towards Jesus mothers. That is your job. That is your job. Now, for all of you who have moms, raise your hand. If you have a mom, there should not be one hand down right now. Okay. All of us have moms. Moms are awesome. Moms are, I sit and watch Katie in the way she, she mothers our kids. I'm just like, It's a miracle what you ladies can do. She is awesome. And I know all you ladies, you're awesome. You have your gifts. You know, know, it's, it's awesome. And we celebrate this day and what God has done through you. But all of you who have moms, let this be a warning as well. Do not worship your mothers. Do not worship your mothers. Because I'll tell you, in the story that we read concerning Christmas today, we talk about Mary. There is a large portion of the church or who would call themselves the church today, in particular, the Catholic church, but also the Orthodox church at times that gets very close and in fact does worship Mary. They talk about Jesus, but they also worship and kiss towards and bow down to and idolize Mary as well. That's why when they go say Hail Marys, they're actually praying To and through Mary. That is not Mary's place. She would tell you if she was standing right here. Do not pray to me. Pray to Jesus. And so today, ladies and gentlemen. Love your mothers. Do not worship your mothers. For one thing. They will be crushed. Crushed under the weight of trying to be in God's place. They cannot be God. And they will suffer as a result. Secondly. If you're looking to your mom, or really anybody else, to be God and Savior for you, you will be disappointed. Either they won't fulfill it in this life, and you won't get all the treats that you want. You won't get your way, whatever. You'll be disappointed. Or you'll get to the end of life and say, I love my mom so much that should have saved me. And because she took Jesus' place, you'll find your place not with Jesus. Okay? So... Keep things in perspective. Love your moms, but do not worship them. Instead, when you see your mom or you see the mother of your children, you see how awesome God has used them, use that as a springboard to worship Jesus. Okay, Worship Jesus through today. Through today. Because at the end of the day, the reality is, yeah, there's a battle going on. There's a battle. And why would Satan not want you to get so infatuated with Mother's Day that you take your eyes off of Jesus? So infatuated with all of our holidays that we no longer remember Christmas. I think we should have seen Christmas carols all year round. I know that was odd today, but Christmas is relevant every day of all of our lives. In the same way that you call mom, mom, all of your life. Jesus is the Christ, not just on Christmas. He is Lord and Savior in Christ for forever. So Merry Christmas. Happy Mother's Day. And today I would encourage you, go to Jesus. If you don't know Him, find out about Him. Learn Him. Pray to Him. Ask Him to save you and worship Him for eternity. If you do know him and you find that you've been worshiping something else. Maybe it doesn't look like the dragon. Maybe it just looks like something that's really fancy. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a way of life that you've just adopted. You say, I, Lord's not wrestling this way of life for me. No, surrender that thing. That that you hold on to is sin. Just say, Lord, take my life. Take my life. You need to be oh, just fundamentally given over to submission to Jesus. To close, do you remember what Mary said when the angel came and said, hey, you know what? You're going to have a baby. She said, "Uh, how can that be? I'm a virgin. I haven't been with a man. And the angel said, the Holy Spirit's going to put this baby in you. Do you remember what Mary said? I'm your servant. Let it be as the Lord has said. That's what submission looks like. Mary could have said, this is really going to mess up my life. No, but instead she said, I'm but a humble servant. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. And she said, OK, my life is yours. My womb is yours. She gave it all to Jesus. Give your entire life to Jesus. If there's anything in the way of you giving your entire life to Jesus, get that thing out of the way and just go and submit and say, I'm your servant, whatever you say. All right. Father, thank you for this word. The book of Revelation is so complete in, in giving us a view behind the scenes of what's happened spiritually, so we don't get caught up in Christmas time just being about presents and lights on trees, and we don't get caught up in holidays like Mother's Day to worship our moms. But we come behind the scenes and recognize that that you gave us Jesus and you gave us moms in order that we might ultimately put our eyes on Jesus, call upon His name, and be saved. And this morning, Lord, if there's anyone who has not done that, I pray that you would work that miracle. by the same power that you not only uh, had that virgin birth take place, that you resurrected Jesus from the dead, by that same power, Lord, I pray that you would change the heart of the rebellious person in this place. And, Lord, if that's happening for the first time today, I give you praise for saving that soul. And, Lord, if it's somebody who has called upon you before, but they're recognizing sin in their hearts right now, Lord, I pray that, that we would praise you just the same, Lord, How awesome it is that like our moms, you are constantly trying to keep us out of trouble, keeping us away from sin and guarded from that which is evil, guarded from the dragon, guarded from the world, guarded from ourselves. And so, Jesus, we give you praise for doing that, which we can't do for ourselves. Lord, we honor you today through everything that we do. We pray that as we go and we continue to celebrate with roses and flowers and meals, with our mothers, that we would use that as a window to see how awesome you are. And we pray that tomorrow when we go to work, we'd use that as a window to see how awesome you are. And as we confront sicknesses and as we uh, go on in families and go to baseball games and we, we, we do life, Lord, that it would all be a window to see how awesome you are. Because we know that you defeated the dragon. You are the victor. So, Lord, we give our lives to you in Jesus' name.